Good morning, everyone. It is a little change to be in this neck of the woods and up here speaking today, but I'm very grateful for the opportunity. It's lovely to see you all. My name is Drew and I am part of the Fording Bridge congregation, so that's probably why you don't see me around here very often. Um, I haven't been to this church branch, um, so this is a new experience all around. Thank you for having me today. We are at the end of a brilliant series on discipleship, and I'm sure that we can all agree that it's been a fantastic resource for growing in the area of discipleship. We've covered important ground on a range of aspects to do with relationship with God and how we can grow in our role as disciples. As we land this series, the final topic that we're gonna be looking at today is one that can be summed up in the words of Jesus from Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Devotion to mission are calling as ambassadors for God, representatives of the church body. I think that's a really relevant place to land this series because we can take the different aspects that we've learned about until this point and apply them into this one such that we have a confidence and authority and a right state of heart when we go out into the world around us and share the gospel. In a sense, this has also come full circle because where we have learned to be disciples, we now take this and apply it to teaching the people around us. I often find it quite useful to define the words that we hear so often, but in actual fact don't really know the true meaning or origin of. The word mission came from the Latin verb mitere, which means to send, and was related to the instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples. It was first used by Jesuit missionaries who sent members of their order overseas to establish schools and missions. There are a few other meanings it's taken on in more recent years, but this is the one we're going to focus on today. Isn't it a privilege to be asked to take this good news that we know about and believe in and share it with the people we encounter and the ones we have an influence on? I'd also add that sharing the good news of Jesus is not the only responsibility that we have. But as disciples of his, we have a calling to be like him in the way we live our lives. That's a big ask. But as we have been learning over the last couple of weeks, God hasn't just left us. He hasn't left us to fend for ourselves or carry this alone. We have our church body, a family who stands alongside us which is why the scriptures teach us that it's vital to be part of one. Most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit of God, who is our helper, as the scriptures say. John 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Lord hasn't just dropped us off and flown away. We have all the help and backup that we need. So let's dive into some exploration of what the scriptures say about mission. 
a lot of us tend to think that the New Testament, think of the New Testament when we imagine our preach. However, in truth, God has always had his eye on all the people of the earth since the beginning of time. Although God set aside the people of Israel for his own, his plan and desire was that for all of humanity, we would be part of his family. We have the great gift of choice. And although there can only be a right and wrong choice, we still have this freedom given to us by God. The fact is, there are a lot of people who haven't heard about Jesus or know God. They may have heard the names before and possibly have a vague knowledge of the Christian faith. But in truth, they're not likely aware of just how good the good news is, the gospel. Through Solomon's prayer of dedication when he built the temple to the Lord as a young man and his heart was forecard and not pulled away by the many distractions he amassed as he got older, we can see a picture of God's heart. Second Chronicles 6 verses 32 to 33. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name, and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. I've always thought there's a little bit of a disconnect between the mission that Jesus had in the Old Testament, and so I had to start doing some digging to see more of where the clues were that pointed to God's heart for the nations. Israel was set apart from the rest of the world through Abraham, God's purpose for them to be a chosen people who were priests and image bearers. They were always intended to lead the way for the people around them to God. There were episodes of success, the most notable ones, which seemed to come from times of captivity or war. But for the most part, it seemed like they just weren't the representation of God that they should have been. As we all know, it's true that if we don't maintain our devotion to God, we will also be mostly ineffectual as ambassadors and messengers for him. The Old Testament shows us a picture of what was to come through Jesus. Several of the prophets spoke about him and described the purpose he would come for, as well as the many sufferings he would take on our behalf. People like Isaiah, Jeremiah and Micah. When you look at all of this, the Old Testament begins to take the shape of a story of hope for future reconnection with mankind. As we speak about devotion to mission today, there are a few key areas I want to touch on. We've all been given the same command by Jesus and carry the same responsibility and that we are outward looking in our approach to the world around us. Something I'd like to point out is quite unique to the Christian faith. Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus had a very clear mission and knew this from when he was still in his youth. 
God himself is on a mission. And if we are to be like him, then we must think that way too. 1 John 4 verse 14 says, And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Romans 8 verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. We have the Spirit of Jesus living in us, the same authority and power that God sent his son Jesus in to deliver the gospel, we carry as well. So we need to ask ourselves, what can we take from the life Jesus lived and the disciples that he made and apply it to ourselves such that we become more successful in our outreach and mission? I believe that firstly, we must consolidate our hearts and where we are drawing our hope from, because we can't build anything without a firm foundation of our own. Secondly, we must look at our characters and the various strengths that we each possess and how different giftings come into play. And lastly, we should look at how we go about this mission, taking inspiration and drawing from the apostles and the early church that we read about in the book of Acts. In essence, we want to follow a similar type of progression to what Jesus' disciples did. They spent time under the guidance and teaching of Jesus, growing in wisdom and stature, preparing their hearts and minds for the role they were to play. They then received the gift of the Spirit after the transfiguration, and with it came the many gifts that helped the growth of the church. Finally, they went out into the world with all boldness in the knowledge that they had the full might of God backing them. So before embarking on anything, we must make sure that we're in the right place spiritually. So this is our first point for today. Our focus must be on abiding in the vine as Jesus taught in John 15. So if you could all just turn there if you have a Bible. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so pr prove to be my disciples. We can't be effective on our mission if we aren't drawing our inspiration, wisdom, knowledge, and drive from God. How often have you gotten caught up in a conversation or an argument 
for the sake of it, just to prove your point with someone. I know I have. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit take over and speak into that situation, I use my own intellect and with a type of brute force, which in a way is like bashing them over the head with theology. I don't believe I've ever seen a positive result from this. This is what the Bible would call spiritual immaturity. Ahead of anything, our eyes must be on God. We need to be committed to him first before we can go out to make disciples of the nations. Jesus wanted the apostles to model this. In the first chapter of Acts, we read about Jesus' command to the apostles, which was to remain in Jerusalem and not go anywhere until they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 is a glorious chapter where on the day of Pentecost, the believers were gathered in one place and the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes, they'd had years of teaching and experience with Jesus. Yes, they'd even been given authority to heal, cast out demons and raise the dead when Jesus first sent them out in the twos. But what they needed for the next part of their mission was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is because as missionaries for Jesus, we can't afford to engage the world without the guidance of God. When you consider the enormity of responsibility placed on our shoulders, this is the ultimate message of freedom, love and acceptance. But with it all is the choice Will someone choose Jesus and his perfect free gift? The only God, the one true God with his hand outstretched beckoning relationship. Or will someone reject that and be condemned to an eternity of separation from God? When we put it in that perspective, it's crystal clear that the stakes are as high as they can get. So let us first practice and prepare ourselves before we go out into the world. This is why it's so vitally important to be part of a church body. Through that, we can grow in our love and our various callings because we have people around us of the same heart, people we can build with. I would go even so far as to say that if our hearts are not in the right place, that we need to take care of them before entering the heavy responsibility that comes with being an ambassador for Christ. Jesus taught that it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but rather what comes out. Mark 7 verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The apostles themselves had to go through a time of preparation and growth before they could be entrusted with the mission of preaching the gospel. I love the letter to the Ephesian church because the writer, likely Paul, covers three main themes. Christ's reconciliation of all creation to himself and God, 
the unity that he brought, and finally, how we as Christians must live as new people. The climactic chapter at the end summarizes everything by telling us that we must put on the whole armor of God. The different pieces that he details reveal a need for preparation and readiness. Truth, righteousness, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, faith, recognition of our salvation and the word of God. Without these things, we engage an enemy who is not flesh and blood, but a spiritual force hell-bent on our destruction and damnation. And we face defeat. Nurturing our relationship with our Heavenly Father is what will propel us into readiness. If He is the vine, then we know that all the nourishment that we need is going to come from Him. Let's go on to our second point. God has given us various gifts, talents, and strengths. These are part of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and play a big part in how we conduct our mission. Let's take a look at the gifts of the Spirit, which can be read about in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. How we go about making disciples of all nations will inevitably look different to each and every person. That's because of these different gifts. The book of Acts is a great story of people like you and I who were obedient to the command of Jesus and saw the church grow exponentially along with signs and wonders that they probably never dreamed of seeing. I truly believe that this is an area that we'll see much more growth in if we put into practice the elements of devotion that we've learned about in this series. Jesus himself made use of miracles, signs and wonders while on his mission. Let's draw in and allow God to operate through these various spiritual giftings. As it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. There are many places in scripture where Jesus performed a miracle or operated according to the spirit, and it had a profound effect on the people who were its recipients. One of the more outstanding ones we can read about is from John 9. Jesus and his disciples are walking somewhere and they come across a man who is said to have been blind from birth. The disciples ask Jesus, Teacher, why was this man born blind? Whose sin made it happen? Was it his own sin or that of his parents? Jesus answered them and said, It was not any sin 
of this man or his parents that caused him to go blind. He was born blind so that he could be used to show what great things God can do. Jesus spat on the ground, made a bit of mud, which he rubbed onto the man's eyes, and then told him to go and wash in a specific place. When he did this, his sight was fully restored. This caused no small stir within the community because a man who had been blind from birth was now able to see. The people began to ask him questions. And through that, he was able to tell of how Jesus had performed the miracle. In fact, several scriptures later, we can see how this man was called before the religious leaders and questioned about how he had regained his sight. Words spread like wildfire. And the man himself could have had no doubt about the power and authority that Jesus possessed. He would continue to be a testament to Jesus' power over sin and the message of good news that he was bearing. In much the same way, we cross over to another occasion where Jesus speaks with a woman near a well in the Gentile city of Samaria. He is tired from the journey, has sat down to rest, and since we know Jesus, he was perfectly placed to encounter this person. Jesus asks her for a drink from the well, and they engage in a conversation which leads to him speaking about living water. John 4 verses 15 to 26 says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I love this passage of scripture, Because Jesus discerns through the Spirit what is going on in this woman's life and uses it to touch her heart. Later she goes into the city and tells them, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The scriptures say that many people believed in him from that town because of the woman's testimony. Let's be open to the prompt of the Spirit and listen to his voice because this can be a reality with us as well and act as a tool on our mission for the Lord. 
Let it be known, though, the supernatural is not the point of the message of the gospel. Rather, it's a part of it and reveals the heart of God for goodness and righteousness. It's been my great privilege to see various spiritual giftings that people have within the church body, much to the extent that I have even been affected by them. Not only that, but our characters mix together in a kind of union that you don't see very often. Our common love for God brings together a force that the devil cannot stand against. And it's our differences that make us who we are, but also allow God to reach all people. Romans 12 verses 4 to 8 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Every person here is a vital part of the body of Christ. We have a part to play in the building up of God's people. If you've never considered what role you play in your church body, perhaps this is the time to do so. We all have something to bring to the table. Maybe you haven't been operating in the giftings that God gave you. This could be because you haven't been provided with the opportunity or maybe it's because you haven't put yourself forward. Let's become proactive. A community of disciples who not only want to be used of God, but who are in themselves usable. I think that a very good question to ask ourselves is this, and this is our third point. Where is the mission field? Where do we need to focus our attention of in terms of preaching and speaking this good news? Much like with the gifts and talents, this is going to differ from person to person. Don't fall under condemnation because you're not a missionary in a foreign land, living from day to day and relying solely on the miraculous provision of God. The people here will most certainly have that calling, and they must follow it because there is a wide world out there, and a large part of it need a brave person or people to deliver what God has called us to do. I believe that even more so, the common mission field is the one that each of us lives in. The familiar places like your job, your gym, your clubs, your local pub, your home. The home front is quite often the most difficult field. Jesus himself said in Mark 6 verse 4, a prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. It tests our faith and really requires us to dig deep and draw from God. James 1 verse 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials of, various trials of different kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I want to encourage you today. 
for all those who have been or are taking strain in this area to persevere. Because we don't know what effect our obedience to God is having on the people close to us. It may just be that someone who seems totally hardened to God is on the very brink of salvation. I'm telling you, the Lord is very pleased when we keep on with the mission he has given us, even through the tough times. God is not a time waster. He made each of us for a particular purpose. And I believe that if we live according to his spirit, we will see more clearly where he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. And that as a matter of fact, there is always something that we can be accomplishing for him. Even if simply the act of drawing in and meditating and deepening our relationship with him. It's not wrong to look further afield when you think of mission. But I know that it would very likely be of far more value in this time to shorten our outstretched arms and look to the locality that we live in. Particularly at this time in world history where every nation, every Western nation, seems to be in total disarray and confusion, right down to not knowing what gender they are. Perhaps the question we might ask is, how do we go about this, being a missionary in the places we live and work in? Suddenly it becomes apparent that we must be living like little Christs everywhere we go. Our spirituality and righteousness are not relegated to when we're in church or around other Christians. Rather, we must take everything that we have learned through this series and apply it to everyday life. A devotion to Jesus, the Word of God, prayer, relationships, service and growth. What does that end up looking like for us? I think the book of Acts is a perfect picture or the best picture, I should say, of a healthy church with people who are committed to the Lord. In the book of Acts verses eight to six, verses eight to 10 and verse 15, it speaks about a man named Stephen. Let's read there first and then we'll have a little look at this incredible character. So that's Acts six, verses eight to 10 and then verse 15. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Verse 15. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen has a very short introduction. And from what we can gather about him, it was very likely that he was a Hellenistic Jew, someone of Jewish descent who had been born outside of Israel. He fully accepted the message of grace and hope that the apostles had brought and is described as a man who was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. There came a point where the apostles needed to delegate responsibility of food distribution to trusted people as they themselves wanted to devote more time to ministry and prayer. Stephen was one of these people. At first glance, 
You'd think that he'd been given a very menial duty in the grand scheme of things. He'd likely have stayed very locally to where he lived and carried out this humble task of giving out food to the Grecian widows. I can't help but be gripped by emotion when I read about him. He worked as unto God and preached the message of a need for repentance to the people in his city, even though he likely knew it could land him in very deep trouble. He decided to honor God rather than men. His words of truth enraged the religious leaders of the time because they had forsaken the true leadership of God and started to follow their own laws and their own customs, all for the sake of tradition and advantage. As soon as they had been rebuked, they could not bear to hear any more perhaps because their consciences condemned them. And so in an act of incredible wickedness, they dragged this righteous man out of the city and stoned him to death. Stephen became the first martyr for the Christian faith. The church continued to grow and the message would spread even further despite his loss. The life that Stephen lived is an example of obedience. He considered it of far greater important to honor God and speak the truth than to please people. As we explore the book of Acts, there are certain characteristics that are visible in the people of the book and how God uses these to reach the nations. We've just spoken about obedience, following the leadership of God, even when it means that your life will be in jeopardy because we know that our reward will be eternal. Faith also sits very high on this list. The scripture even says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We can't operate without faith being active. It's vital, not only on our walk as Christians, but also on our mission. This encompasses so many aspects, it's difficult to put a scope on it. Humility. Something that Stephen and the apostles had plenty of. Under the umbrella of humility come traits such as teachability. We need to be receptive to the leading of other people and most especially God in our walk of faith. James 4 verse 6 says, That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. When we give ourselves over fully to a mission mindset, I believe that we characterize Jesus. There won't be anywhere that you go that you don't spread the goodness of God and challenge and tear down the efforts of Satan. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 to 21, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As I said before, we have been given the ultimate message to deliver. God desires to be reconciled to every human. Jesus made that possible. Repent and believe the good news. He stands at the door of your heart and knocks. Let those who hear him open and he will come in and dine with them. No longer is there that separation and need for constant atonement. Jesus will cleanse your heart if only you will let him. Ladies and gentlemen, I say this to myself as much as to you. Let's take what we've learnt in this brilliant series and apply it. The world around us is crying out for hope and salvation, even though they might deny that. We have a unique opportunity to affect real change where we live. As a response to this, and a conclusion to the series as a whole, I'd like to offer the opportunity for people to come forward and receive prayer. Wherever you feel as though God is directing attention to in your life, perhaps you need to start off with going back to basics. Are you abiding in Jesus? Our series started off with devotion to Jesus, then devotion to the Word of God, next prayer. These three make up the core of our values. Get them right and you're gonna to begin to see some spiritual maturity. The next is pursuing our giftings and allowing the Holy Spirit to take us to uncharted ground. Through this, we'll expand in devotion to relationship and service, beginning first with the church body and then become, becoming more outward looking. This will result in growth, growth of the church, growth in confidence and boldness. Please come forward if you believe that God is igniting a spiritual gift in you and you want to speak to someone about it or get some agreement. Lastly, we are each called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that God has commanded them. If you need some direction from God as to where to begin and what to do next, please come forward. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Grab a hold of it with both hands. Let's journey together in seeing God reach our communities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have the sacred responsibility to carry the news of your Son and his gift to all mankind to tell of your goodness, your love for every individual alive today, to reveal that the maker of all that we see around us wants to know us, me, you, personally. Through it, the greatest and most positive change that has occurred in the hearts of the people who have accepted this love and believed in their hearts and declared that you are their Lord. The Apostle Paul prayed that you would give him all boldness to declare the mystery of the gospel. We ask for this as well, and pray that like the Apostles, we would see the miraculous power of God working in the community around us. 
we commit ourselves to you and your church, which is the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.